Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pleasure Priority Podcast with me, Amber Taylor. This is the podcast all about how you can have the audacity to put yourself and your pleasure first, which ultimately shapes a life perfect for you. We discuss friends and family, career and money, oppression, healing, and mental health, current events, and historical ones too. Basically, all things life and pleasure and how you can create more of it authentically. I'm your host, Amber Taylor, and it's my pleasure to talk to you every week. Let's tune in. Hello, 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 my friends. I have a very special guest on the podcast today. We have with us Natasha Tekeski, who is one of my friends near and dear to my heart. We work together. We've done certification together. We've been through some shit together and I get to see her. Y'all don't see her right now, but I'm staring at her beautiful face almost to the end of pregnancy. She is creating a life, y'all. And I can't wait to see her be a mom. That was the sweetest intro. I absolutely adore you and everything that you do. And I'm so proud of you. So thank you so much for having me here. Of course. Would you like to tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a money mindset coach. So I work with two different types of clients. I work with people who are employees who want to earn more money in their jobs. So with their organization or as employees in an organization. And then I work with entrepreneurs who want to earn more money in their business. Yeah. Awesome. So if y'all haven't guessed, we are talking money today. (laughs) And just to jump right in, we're in a certification together and in that we had final projects and I was really intrigued by yours and I want to talk about it a little bit more. Can you give a summary of what you talked about, what you did your project on, and then I'll ask my question. Yeah, totally. So I did my final project on money and emotional safety, emotional security. So I think a lot of people think that earning more money is the way that we can feel emotionally safe and secure. But in reality, that's not true. Like money can never create any emotion for us. It doesn't actually ever make us feel happy. It doesn't make us feel anything, right? It's just a tool that we can use in our lives to create the lives and the experiences that we want to have. But I think a lot of people conflate that. And the problem with this idea and this way of thinking is that you constantly keep yourself on this like hamster wheel of a hustle trying to earn more money to get to a feeling of emotional safety. But that's Mm -hmm. never going to come from money because I love to tell people you can never out-earn a scarcity mindset. So if you're starting Mm -hmm. with a scarcity mindset, there's no amount of money that will ever solve for that. That's actually a thought or a brain problem. It's not a money problem. Mm -hmm. We need to deal with where that scarcity is coming from. Sure, go out and earn more money. But I mean, if you don't solve for this, you're always going to be feeling like you never have enough or there isn't enough for you. And I see this, like, if you think about millionaires or people in society who are like hoarding money, I mean, they just haven't dealt with their scarcity issues, right? This is why we see people with tons of money who still maybe like act like they're broke or they're hoarding it or it's not like living generously or buying the things that they want to have in order to create the life that they want. Yeah, that's a good point that like enoughness or like having enough is 
subjective. And there are, I'm sure we all know a few different people who are all over the financial tax bracket range and still believe that they don't have enough or if they had more then things would be better or they would feel better or whatever the case may be. So just kind of like even acknowledging that there can be drastic differences in people's financial well-being. Like let's talk about somebody maybe on a teacher's salary versus somebody who is a very successful corporate lawyer, but both of them believe that they don't have enough and if they had more they'd be safer or they'd be happier or they'd be something that they're not right now. Why do you think that thought pattern is so prevalent across different financial tiers? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think it just comes down to like how we're marketed to, right? Like we're constantly being sold this idea that we need more. We need something outside of us to create satisfaction and happiness and peace. And so if we haven't attained it yet, the messaging that we get is that we just need more. We need mm-hmm. more to fill that space. Mm-hmm. When in reality, that's just like deep inner work and in creating your own like peace and calm and safety and happiness within you with what you have, right? Like external circumstances, external things are never going to create that emotional experience for you, regardless of what we're sold through like capitalistic culture messaging, basically, right? Yeah. And it's, interesting and serendipitous that you bring up like how we're messaged to because I believe like the same thing comes up through pleasure of like you have to work harder you have to do more you have to delay it you have to like if you indulge then you're a bad person or selfish it's wrong so you have to do 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 give 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 do everything you have just to then enjoy and the same thing with money like granted There are a lot of connotations with money, whether it's good or evil or what you do with it. But I think one that most people share is money is a conduit for experiencing more, whatever that more is. It's like you can have more of it. You can have different than what you do now. And I think it's related to delay or push away that what I have right now is enough to be happy, to be joyous, to do what I want to do, to have safety in light of continuously trying to do more in this capitalistic society. Yeah, totally. And that's why I'm so happy to be here chatting on your podcast specifically, because I think there's such parallels between pleasure and money and how Mm -hmm. we think about them, right? It's like some sort of like a delayed gratification. And if you indulge in those things right now, it has some sort of negative meaning about who you are as a person. Whereas in reality, like making more money is not inherently a bad thing for you to be doing. It does not mean that you're a selfish person. It doesn't mean that you're greedy. The same thing with like spending time to take pleasure in whatever it is that you want to take pleasure in in that moment does not mean anything inherently bad about you. But Mm -hmm. that's the kind of work hard, grind, hustle messaging that we're always buying into. And then the problem with that is we never actually get to appreciate or enjoy what we do have in that moment now. It's always some sort of like hustle to get to the next thing. Yes as you were talking, what came to mind is like another parallel is that it's optional, like having more money or having more pleasure is optional. Like we are taught that having enough for survival, like having the bare minimum, like, okay, I'm not going to 
lustly treat myself, but I'll take a nap just so I can like do some more work later, mm-hmm. like just enough to survive or oh, I'm not going to ask for like a huge promotion. Like, gosh, that would be too much. Like, let me just ask for enough so I can, you know, continue to cover my bills. We have this idea of like going after it or having more of it is like optional. And it's, I don't even know if I want to use the word safer, but I kind of do. It's safer to restrict more than... It's almost like you need an an explanation or a justification for why you want to have it in the moment. Like Mm -hmm. you need a justification for why you need to nap. Okay, I'll nap now so that I can be more productive at work later, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'll like ask for the salary increase so I can justify this one thing that I want to have. Or like I've justified all of this work that I've done in order to like deserve that money. So there's like Mm -hmm. an element of deserving that I think comes in with both pleasure and money that actually doesn't need to be there, right? That is the part that is so subjective. Like who decides what deserving pleasure or money actually means? Yes. Not how our society functions at all. And I think we can like come full circle with that deserving back to the safety aspect of it, because we think that if we don't deserve, we are keeping ourselves safe because if we are audacious enough to ask for what we want, ask for more than survival, ask for what we honestly already do deserve, but more of it, then it puts us at risk. It puts a target on our back. It makes people come after us in like whatever ways, whether that be financially, like people want more from us, or like if we're experiencing pleasure in our lives, then people want to tear us down. And like, we fear that. So we tell ourselves that we don't deserve it. Yeah, exactly. And what's so interesting is you said things that we already deserve right now. And it's, Mm -hmm. we already deserve them because we exist. It's like, right. Not because we've done anything to earn them. Experiencing pleasure is your birthright as a human. It's one Mm -hmm. emotion on the spectrum of human emotions that you get to feel and experience in this life because Mm -hmm. you exist right now. Mm -hmm. That is the whole part of deserving that's not how we're messaged to at all in society. It's like you've needed mm-hmm. to grind it and prove it and like put your blood, sweat, and tears into everything before you can just put your feet up and rest. Mm-hmm. And pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like grind, 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 work, 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 invest, 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 never break, yeah. never rest. And it's like when actually experience the fruits of our labor and we have to consciously decide that. Totally. And I think that idea and that notion inherently makes earning money feel more challenging and more difficult because I see this so often where my clients are like, well, this is too easy. And I'm like, so what if it's easy? <laughs> like, it's let allowed it, to be easy. Right? Like, let the easy parts be easy mm-hmm. and know that there will still be hard parts because that is the human experience. We don't have to make the easy parts harder. And I think when we have this idea that we need to deserve rest or deserve money, what we do is we just like, then grind it out more than we even need to do. Yeah, definitely. So we've been talking about money and emotional safety for a while and how money does not create that. It's our responsibility to do that for ourselves, which I have talked about in a couple previous episodes. But I do want to ask you about the money or the power that money does have Mm -hmm. and how having more money can facilitate a power shift for people. Yeah, definitely. So 
the fuel that really gets me going in terms of money is that I really truly feel this in my bones. Like I want to help people in marginalized identities earn more money. I really want to help people of color, women, anyone who is in any type of marginalized identity who has never seen themselves or people who look like them have more money. I'm like, money is for you too. Just because we've only ever seen old rich white men holding all the money in society, it doesn't mean that money is only for them. Money is available for everyone. And when we can shift essentially society's wealth structures to people in marginalized identities, that's when we can create more, I think, social change, right? Then you have people of color, people in other identities who are in positions of power, in leadership, in organizations, in government, whatever the case may be, helping to create policies and shift and change that helps serves everyone. So this is why I think like, I'm so passionate about this work. It's not from a sake of like, make more money so that you can buy more things. Like, cool, do that. If you want to do that, that's amazing. You're allowed to spend your money in any way that you want to, but it's like recognizing the broader social implications of different people increasing their wealth and the impacts that that has on them and the future generations. Like, I think that is the most powerful part about people making more money. Definitely. And just putting a little more color on this here in the States at the time of recording, Roe v. Wade was just overturned. How can people of marginalized identities, especially women of color, how can them having more money help during a time like this? Yeah, for sure. I'm Canadian just for context. So I'm not directly impacted by the Roe v. Wade situation in terms of being like an American citizen or a woman in America. But Mm -hmm. of course, like American policies have implications globally, right? Like everyone is very much aware of what's going on in America in terms of other countries. And so I guess the way that I see it and my own thought process of it is abortions haven't been banned. It's the safe abortions that have been banned, right? So Mm -hmm. now people who have money will always have access to safe abortions. Whether that go, they means they travel to states that have abortion access for them, maybe a different country, they will be able to find whatever they need, resources they need and afford whatever resources they need to get the health care that they require in those instances, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're doing now is limiting access for women in poverty or people of color who live in poverty to be able to access those services safely. And that's really what is like so devastating and so detrimental for these communities, right? You're essentially just now putting another layer between the two social classes of mm-hmm. who can access what type of life-saving healthcare, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And not only in the aspect of healthcare, but also in the aspect of mobilization, because how we get into these situations is money and who has the financial backing to put these things in order. If you look at stats of who approves these laws, this legislation, they're not the majority of the people in this country. However, they do have a large financial backing to continue to push the agenda, even if it's not what the masses want, it's what the massive amounts of money can make happen. 
especially putting more money in the hands of marginalized identities, of people of color, of women of color, of Black women, trans people, like putting the money in those hands helps make sure that those voices are heard and those agendas are also pushed instead of just steamrolled over because honestly, money makes the world go round. It kind of sucks to say, but it's also the reality of the situation that we live in. And not to say that you can't do anything without money, but it is helpful and it does put you in a position of power, which can ultimately change not your emotional safety, but physical safety and other aspects of your well-being are directly correlated in how much money you're willing to have and steward in this world. Yeah, totally. Right. Money is the currency of like value that we have in our society for exchanging services. And the more money that you have access to in our society, the way it works, the more power and influence you typically have. And so if we can shift the wealth dynamics and put more money in members of the LGBTQ plus community, in the members of people of color, BIPOC communities in hands of women, people with various abilities, like all of those types of things. If we can shift that money, then those people now get voices, right? At this stage, it's like so many voices have been silenced. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily get to, yeah, create the influence that they want in their communities. And so when you have that money, then you have that ability to influence the social changes that you want to see in the world. Yeah. So I'm sure somebody's out there probably listening to this or going to be like, all right, yeah, cool. I want more money. I get it. But I tried. It's hard. Like I can't make more money. What do you say to those people? Look, I'm not here to say that everything is easy and it's a magical like system that just flows through you with no problem. You know what? Oppressive structures do exist in society that make it easier for some people to earn money than other people to earn money. Like, let's just call that out because that is true. That is the reality of the situation that we live in. Also not here to point fingers or blame anyone for their money situations. Like you are not at fault for your money situation. We just don't need to blame you at all. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with that as the foundation that like, yes, it's true. It can be hard to earn money, but also, so what if it's hard, right? Just because something's hard, does that mean that it's not a noble pursuit? Does that Mm -hmm. mean that it's not something that you should try to continue to work after if that's actually what you want to do. And I'm not saying that you have to do that, right? Like you're the authority of your own life. You get to decide, but you also get to decide even if it is harder for you. And even if there are more obstacles in your path that are the barriers, does that mean we should just give up? Or is that maybe more reason to try to help remove some of those barriers for the people who come after you, right? That's how I look at it. Definitely. And it's so important to call out the structures that exist and are currently at play. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is hard. There are people who are significantly more disadvantaged than others, and it is designed like that. But the other thing about oppressive systems and what makes them such a beast is that they beat down on your hope Mm -hmm. and your willingness to change and willingness to make a difference to the point of, oh, well, I can't have that, or that's not for me, or it won't work out. So why should I even try? 
And Mm -hmm. that is really the ultimate goal of the oppression is to not even have you in the race. Mm -hmm. One, like, yeah, there are tons of obstacles there, but if they could get you to just not even enter the race or even start running, then I'm thinking like pieces of a pie is available to them. But the thing about it is, there is oppressive messaging for all of us who live in marginalized identities, for sure. Like we just call that out. But then when we internalize that messaging and we start to talk to ourselves in that same way, then what happens is we become the oppressors of ourselves in our mm-hmm. own minds. Yes. Like we don't have to take on those messaging. We don't have to internalize that belief system that has been like offered to us because we, like for myself, I'm biracial, I'm half black, half white. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I'm a woman, I'm a first generation Canadian, like, right, all of those different types of marginalized identities I live in. If I start to believe what society tells me about women, about people of color, about immigrants, about first generation, then I am now oppressing myself and limiting my own self in my Mm -hmm. own mind, because I'm not believing, and I'm not willing to try, and I'm not showing up for me. But if you disregard those messages, and you're like, well, fuck that. I see it, but I want to do more. I want to push back. That's when you start to like liberate yourself and you create the change that you want to see in the world, even though it is hard and even though it is tiring. And even though there's like so many obstacles that you're faced with along the way, it's like you showing up for you is how you continue to liberate yourself from those oppressive systems. Yes, yes, yes. It's also important to recognize this isn't just the way that the world works. This is the way that our world has been designed by capitalistic and white supremacist tactics. Like I used the example before, like pieces of a pie, which is a very scarce and competitive mindset, but there is literally enough for everyone always. We're taught differently, which helps like fuel these oppressive systems, but that's not actually how the world is and how it works. So even to recognize and decide your own reality, the reality that you want to live in versus the one that you were given or sanitized with or groomed with or whatever you want to call it. So even understanding that there is enough for you too, you're not taking away anything from anybody else by having more in your life, whether that be more money, more success, more pleasure, more happiness, more joy, whatever. It's like, You're not taking it from anybody else. Nobody else is at a disadvantage by you claiming what's yours. Yeah, exactly. And I think the interesting part of this too is when you show up in your own power to take ownership over what's yours and enjoy your life and fuel it with the pleasure and the joy and the happiness and just that hard work to like shift your belief systems from those oppressive messaging that we get. Like when you show up, you help now other people like see you as an example for them. That's like Mm -hmm. the powerful part of this, right? And I think Mm -hmm. the other part of this too is when we're thinking about these social structures, like it can be so easy to look for how hard it is and how impossible it is and how there's no one in your similar situation who's ever done it. But that's actually not true. There's examples for all of us. And I think sometimes we have to just like look to those people who have some of those similar identities as we have and just remind ourselves, hey, they did it. I can do it too. It's possible for me. They're not this like special 
unicorn snowflake human. It was just like the exception. What if that's not true? What if it's also possible for me? And I think just like opening up your mind to the possibility is so much more freeing. And it's what starts to get the wheels turning as opposed to this can't happen. I can't do anything. I'm stuck here. I can't change. When that's your foundation, that's your belief system. Like there's nothing we can do. There's nowhere we can go when it's just like, well, I'm stuck. This is impossible. It's not for me. But if Mm -hmm. we're like, well, this other person in your similar situation was able to do it, then it's like, well, what if it's possible for me too? Yeah. And on that note, the human population has been around for a while. And (laughs) (laughs) it's like, there are people that didn't make it. There are people that died off. Like everyone on the planet today is a descendant of a survivor. Mm -hmm. They have resilience. We all do have resilience built into our DNA. Mm -hmm. We can do this. We can keep going. It's not easy. It's not simple, but yes, it's worth it. And you are more than equipped to handle the journey. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much because I've been thinking about this a lot. Like as Amber mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'm pregnant. And so I'm a couple months away from giving birth and having my very first child. And I've just been thinking about the lineage, I guess, of my ancestors and just the strong, powerful, resilient people that I come from. And I just channeling that and like also thinking about how even me right now and more so for this child, were living kind of my ancestors' dreams. Like everything that they would have worked for for the future generations is like what I'm living now with like the freedom that I have in Canada, the lifestyle that I've been able to create for myself and just the opportunity for rest, like deep rest, right? Like happiness and joy and things like that. It's just been an interesting thing to kind of contemplate. And I think you're right. Like everyone comes from this like very resilient DNA But at the same time, it's not always just about like the hard work. It's like, how can we balance that with also taking in the moments of truly like appreciating the gifts of the life that we get to live in this moment, right? I think that is when you can fuel yourself with just like appreciation and Mm -hmm. gratitude and just honoring the people who came before you and their hard work and what they've set up for you now you just feel yourself with so much love. And that love is like what enables you to keep showing up and to keep doing whatever it is that you're passionate about doing to create those changes that you want to see in your life or in your community or in your world. Right. right. And I think something that stops us from that is like a guilt or shame of, you know, they worked so hard. Like the people that came before me, my ancestors worked so hard and I have so many more opportunities or advantages than they did. And, oh, I'm not doing, quote unquote, enough with them. Like I should be further than I'm at or things should be different than they are. Or I need to do so much more so then the people after me can have more. And I think just like you said, acknowledging what's already been done and seeing where you're at, appreciating where you're at right now and the work that has been put in for you to be here has not been for you to just continue working, working, working without the break, without the acknowledgement of the work and the sacrifices that have come before you, but also the time for play, 
also the time for pleasure, also the time to be human. Like we are our ancestors' wildest dreams Mm -hmm. that we think about it. And they made time to experience life still with everything that they had or were forced into. They made time to celebrate. They made time for joy. We have songs passed down. We have dances passed down. We have resiliency passed down that one day we will have this freedom. Mm -hmm. And even though we aren't 100% free in every aspect, we have more than we did. And appreciating that, celebrating that, utilizing that creates more of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas disregarding it, shaming ourselves, uh, avoiding it takes that away. And like not necessarily creates less, but gives you less of an opportunity to experience it. Yeah, totally. Even like celebrating, honoring, and acknowledging the cultures that you came from and the traditions that you came from and letting mm-hmm. all of that like flow through you and be part of your existence. I just think it's so so important. And yeah, our lifestyle is very different than many of the ancestors that came before us, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's not Mm -hmm. something that we have to shame and guilt ourselves because that is just more capitalistic culture mentality of like work, 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 working is the only thing that produces like value in the world. And our mission as human is to just produce and and be like robots who just constantly push out work, right? Whereas like, is that actually the role of a human being on planet earth during their lifetime? And maybe instead of that, it's like, we can look to appreciate the challenges and the obstacles and the adversity that those people who came before us went Mm -hmm. through in order to set us up for the life that we get to live now. When you Mm -hmm. come from that sense of appreciation and love, you can just like truly honor it in a way that I think that they probably would have wanted. I don't think that they would have wanted yeah. us spending our time shaming yeah. and guilting ourselves because our lives are so much easier now because technology is available to us like in our pockets all the time. Right? That is just the reality of the world that we live in. I don't think it's like morally better or superior to just fuel ourselves with shame and guilt about it. Exactly. It doesn't do anything for anybody except make your life shitty. Uh, <laughs> but as the saying goes, we are human beings and not human doings. And our life, our existence isn't based in what we do or our productivity and being and simply existing as ourselves and allowing us to facilitate just being financially supported, emotionally supported, physically supported, including break and play and pleasure in your life, including the discipline, including like it all is relevant. It all matters. And you can allow yourself to be fully and lushly supported in just being. Totally. That's something I've had to learn just in pregnancy is that, I mean, first off, you can't do as much as you would normally do. Mm -hmm. So I've had to like half my to-do list and then half it again, and then just do like one item for my to-do list, like every day. But Mm -hmm. it's also like, just asking for support and like calling out that I need rest and calling out that like, and taking that rest and honoring my body and honoring, yeah, what's coming up for me in each moment. It's just impossible to push yourself past your limits in this kind of state. Right. And so that's something that I have had to learn. And I've been reflecting on that. 
and reflecting on how that too is a valuable part of being a human, right? Mm -hmm. Like asking for help and support from my loved ones around me or doing less and taking time to just lay on the couch with my feet elevated. Like that too is worthy of my time and energy, not just the time that I'm like at work, working with clients, you know, answering emails, creating content or whatever the case may be. Like both of those things can be worthy, valuable parts of my human existence. Definitely. Okay. And we can talk all day, every day, but (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you if you have any final words, wisdom, advice that you want to leave the listeners with. I just think this was such a good conversation. I know we didn't, we kind of went on so many different angles, but I really think that it all kind of is connected, right? Like Mm -hmm. your ability to take time for pleasure and rest and honor the people who came before you and honor the work that you've done in creating the life that you have had so far and like loving all of the money and wealth that you've already generated in your life like all of that is so important and it fuels you with the emotions like commitment or love or excitement or generosity that will help you kind of create more wealth, Mm -hmm. create more money in your life. If that's really where you want to go, that will cascade down into the rest of like our communities or the rest of our generations or our families, right? It's like not having to make it be such a challenge and struggle and coming at it from a place of just like compassion for yourself and love for yourself and acceptance for what is just makes the journey so much more, I think, pleasurable. And And like kind of just going off what you just said, there is duality to everything in life. And I think so much of us have a focus on giving Like I need to give my time. I need to give my expertise. I need to give my knowledge. I need to give, 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 give everything I got. And we expect like, okay, just doing all that, giving all that is what makes us worthy or deserving of receiving money or anything else. But in order to give, you have to be willing to receive. And those things are directly correlated. So allowing yourself to receive, allowing yourself to have, allowing yourself to be taken care of, not only is better for having a more holistic and balanced life, but it also creates or expands your capacity to then give more and what everyone else around you and like the ripple effects of that giving and receiving does. Yeah. We never even talked about this, right? But sometimes we can like feel so uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're taught that like the morally superior thing is to just go, 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 give, give, give versus Mm -hmm. take for yourself and like fill your own cup. But like Mm -hmm. filling your own cup can actually feel uncomfortable from time to time. But that Mm -hmm. is the part that when you can learn to just like sit with that and actually truly have what is like being given to you and receive it from a place of like gratitude and love, then that is like so much more, it will just like shift your ability to be able to, yeah, be more generous for other people or like share more with others in the world or like donate to organizations that you care about or buy things from businesses that are like doing things that you want to see happen in the world. So yeah, that capacity to just like have and receive 
is also a valid and important part of life. It's not just like go, 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 give, give, give. That is like what makes you a superior or better human, right? It's like both of those things. Like you said, the duality of both need Mm -hmm. to exist. Totally. So good. (laughs) So when you said that it's uncomfortable to have or uncomfortable to receive, yes, that's true. But it's also a learned behavior. Definitely has to do with our oppression, white Mm -hmm. supremacy, capitalism, all the things that make it a learned behavior to be uncomfortable having or receiving. But whenever you are like, is this a part of me or is this innate? Did I learn this? Like whatever, look at babies and toddlers. Like before the socialization really gets ingrained, they have no problem receiving. It's like, yeah, feed me, clone me, pick me up. I know you just put me down, but pick me up. And it's just like one of my nephews, like before he was potty trained, he was advanced and communicative. He'd just walk up to people and be like, wipe my butt. Yeah. My butt. Like (laughs) said it with his chest. (laughs) So true, right? I love that so much because you're right. It is a learned behavior based on how we were socialized to think and socialized to think about ourselves and what we're like worthy of, but you're so right. Like even just things about situations being hard, like so many things are hard for babies. It's not like they just like give up and they're like, well, I guess I'll never learn to walk. Cause I tried a few times and then I fell right. on my butt. Right. It's like, right. well, they just keep going and they keep trying until they figure it out. And we, as like the support people or the loved ones of those babies are there cheering them on along the way. We're not just like, man, you tried. I guess that was another <laughs> failure. You probably give up walking. Right. Let's just move on to the next one. Maybe they'll have better luck. Yeah, exactly. Right. And even with just like giving to babies so that they can receive, we're so like loving in how we want to feed them and take care of them and change them and put them in their like little bedtime routines or whatever. We treat them with such tender love and compassion. Like what if we were willing to treat ourselves with that tender love and compassion too? Because we were all babies. (laughs) We are still deserving of it. And not only treat ourselves with that love and compassion and understanding, but surround ourselves with people who not necessarily will treat us like a baby, but will support us in our needs and be there for us and cheer us on and will give us that level of support because we never stop needing that. Like growing up, getting educated, getting potty trained, like whatever doesn't stop our need for support and encouragement. So purposefully having those people in your life that you can go to or rely on for that in addition to yourself Mm -hmm. is so helpful. Yes. And this kind of goes back to like what you were talking about, how you stepping into your own power isn't taking from someone else. It's you just taking your own space up in the world. And when we can see that, then we like lower the stakes of it being a competition and a hustle. And we can actually live in community with one another and work to elevate each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially people in like marginalized identities. We don't have to be in competition. It can be like, man, look at these other badasses who are doing incredible, amazing things. How can I work to elevate them and have them take up space while knowing that it's not taking away anything from me either? Yes, 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 yes. So good. Mm -hmm. This is such a good conversation, but this was so good. Beautiful. Okay. 
So if the people wanted to reach you or work with you, how would they do that? Yeah, definitely. So they can find me on my website, which is my first and last name, Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-H-A, Tekesti, T-E-K-E-S-T-E.com. Or you can find me on Instagram when my handle is just my first and last name. Perfect. And we will have all of that in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it, you can click it. (laughs) But thank you so much, Natasha, for coming on here and having this open and honest conversation with us and giving us all your glorious insight on money and allowing us to steal some time from your little nugget in there. (laughs) So much. It was absolutely my pleasure. I'm so happy to to be here. And he's just been like moving and grooving. So he was also loving this conversation too. (laughs) Oh gosh, he hears me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. And thank y'all for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pleasure Priority Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If it's your pleasure, check me out on Instagram at Amber Taylor Coaching and my website, www.ambertaylorcoaching.com for more on increasing your pleasure across all aspects of life. As always, make sure to follow the show and check back each week for a new episode. I'd also love it if you'd leave an honest rating and review. And if you'd share the show with anyone else you think would benefit. Much love. Talk soon, friends.